Have you ever wondered where we are on the timeline of Bible prophecy and how to unlock its end-time mysteries? We'll explore those questions and more today in episode 22 of Adventology entitled, How to Know the Future. Welcome to Adventology, the podcast dedicated to helping you find answers to the big questions of life so that you can live a life of influence that ultimately impacts the world for eternity. Each week, we will explore a different chapter in the story of humanity that centers around Jesus Christ and culminates at His second coming. Whether you know Jesus already or are simply curious about what the Bible has to say about the end of the world, this podcast has something for you. Here now is the host of Adventology, Travis Walker. Maybe you haven't noticed it, but popular protest movements have swept the globe over the last few weeks, with anti-government demonstrations taking place in the streets of Chile, Lebanon, Iraq, Hong Kong, Bolivia, Ecuador, Haiti, Sudan, Pakistan, and Spain. Millions of people around the world have participated in these demonstrations, and hundreds have been killed. Now, I've never personally been involved in a protest, and I'm certainly not against the right to do so peacefully. But as I've observed this global phenomenon, I can't help but ask myself, why is this happening? And more than why is this happening, why is this happening now? Even in my own country, one would have to be willfully putting his head in the sand not to notice the fragile state of our current political environment. Not since the Civil War has the United States been so divided on so many issues. Could the spark that has lit the fire of protests around the world soon be coming closer to home? Could we be on the verge of not just a regional, but a worldwide political and social revolution? Now, I'm not sure how you deal with uncertainty about the future in your own life. Maybe it energizes and excites you. But if you're like me, uncertainty tends to bring with it fear and anxiety, maybe even anger. But what if we could know the future with some degree of certainty? What if there was a logical explanation rooted in Bible prophecy that could give context to everything happening around us today and give us hope for tomorrow? Would that motivate you to dig into God's Word to look for answers? If you remember the last time we were together in episode 20, we introduced you to the book of Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. In that episode, we discovered that the book of Daniel was written especially for God's people living at the end of time. In fact, Daniel chapter 12 verse 4 tells us, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end, Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. You see, this is good news for us, because now the mystery that was sealed by God for centuries has been opened and unsealed for us today, as we shall see as we move forward through this podcast. Why is this important? Well, because much of the book of Revelation is based on the story and imagery of the Old Testament, particularly the book of Daniel. 
When I started studying the book of Daniel, I was amazed how the book of Revelation became much easier to understand. And we all know the book of Revelation was written and inspired by God not to remain a mystery, but to be understood and to guide the church in the time of the end. If you've ever wondered how close we are to the end of time, a study of the books of Daniel and Revelation will make it exceedingly plain. At least it did for me. So just as our last episode set the standard for character development for those who want to be ready for Jesus, this episode sets the standard for establishing God's sovereignty, the Bible's reliability, and the history of nations to the close of time. It just makes sense that God would want us to know with greater detail what we can expect to happen in the world just prior to his coming, doesn't it? Before he destroyed the earth with a flood, God sent Noah. Before Jerusalem was destroyed by Babylon, God sent Jeremiah. Before God sent his son Jesus, he sent John the Baptist. In fact, the book of Amos says, Surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. So is it possible that Daniel, a prophet who lived 2,500 years ago, has been figuratively sent to us today to prepare us for the second coming of Jesus through the unsealing of his book at the time of the end when many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase? Well, let us see for ourselves as we get right into the first major prophecy of the book of Daniel. It has happened to me, and I'm willing to bet it has happened to you as well. Waking up in the morning and remembering I had a dream, remembering how the dream made me feel, but not being able to recall the details of the dream. Now, this is what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. But Nebuchadnezzar was no ordinary guy. He was the king. And he wasn't just any king, but he was the king of the greatest nation in the world, Babylon. And so unlike you or I, who have to live with the wonder of not knowing what we actually dreamed about, he called together all the wise men, soothsayer, magicians that he could find in his realm and asked them not only to interpret the dream, but to tell him the dream. Of course, no one was able to do this for the king, and so furiously, he promptly ordered the execution of all of them. Now, if you remember, when Daniel and his three friends were being examined by the king just before graduating, he had declared them to be ten times wiser than all the wise men of his realm. And so they too had become advisors to the king. And so when he ordered the death of all the wise men, he was also ordering their death as well. But God had given Daniel not only the mental superiority as a result of his diligence and faithfulness to his commandments, but he had also given him understanding in regards to visions and dreams. So on hearing this decree, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah began earnestly seeking the Lord and asking him to reveal to them the dream so that he might save their lives and the lives of all the wise men of the kingdom. And so in the night visions, God revealed to Daniel not only the dream, but also its interpretation. And so upon receiving this understanding from God, Daniel was hurriedly brought before the king to share the good news. 
We can read about it in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Notice Daniel makes clear two things right on the outset. First, what the king had demanded only God could deliver. And secondly, the vision reaches all the way to the time of the end. And from there, Daniel begins to recall the dream. Daniel said, You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, and its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, and its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found, and the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. As you can see, there are six distinct parts to this vision that make up the whole. First, there's the head of gold, then the chest and arms of silver, then the bellies and thighs of brass, then the legs of iron, then the feet partly of iron and partly of clay, and finally there's a stone cut out without hands that strikes the image at its toes, destroys the image, and becomes a great mountain that fills the whole earth. Apocalyptic indeed. But what could it mean? Rather than guess, let us allow Daniel himself to interpret it for us. He continues, You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, he has given them into your hand, and he has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. Wow, how illuminating that Babylon the Great would be the head of this great image that reaches down to the end of time. And this is why the book of Revelation refers to Babylon as fallen and the mother of harlots. All the other kingdoms of the earth that stand opposed to God and his kingdom are in essence birthed out of her. Likewise, all that is spiritually opposed to the true worship of God originates in her as well. And yet, even though her spiritual influence would last to the end of time, her earthly reign was temporary as the king was soon to discover. Daniel continues, But after you shall arise another kingdom, inferior to yours, and then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over the earth. We only need to read a few chapters ahead in our Bibles to see who would be the power that would take down Babylon. Daniel chapter 5 describes in detail the fall of Babylon to Cyrus and the Medo-Persian Empire. But of course, while Persia's reign would last much longer than Babylon's, 
the empire would eventually crumble and fall into the hands of Greece through the sword of Alexander the Great. So far, the dream is following the records of our history books to a T. Daniel continued now, And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all others. So what was the kingdom that conquered Greece and then eventually conquered much of the world? Of course, it could be none other than the Iron Monarchy of Rome. While Rome was cruel to her enemies and invented an untold number of torture devices to humiliate those who opposed her, including the cross, the world enjoyed a relative amount of peace and stability during her reign, which was essential for the later establishment and spread of the gospel around the world. But eventually, even Rome met her doom. And of course, logically, we would expect it to be replaced by a fifth ruling empire, right? Let's continue reading the prophecy. Daniel said, Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they shall not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. This is the part of the prophecy that surprises people the most when they encounter it for the first time. Instead of predicting a fifth ruling empire, the prophecy instead clearly states that it will be divided instead. Not only did this happen, but the kingdom was actually divided into ten, setting the stage for the modern nations of Europe we find today. Interestingly, the ten divisions of Rome match the number of toes on the feet of the image. And as we shall see later in Daniel 7, the ten horns on the beast. Now, continuing with the interpretation of this dream, we can see that Daniel not only states that Rome will be divided, but that it will never come back together again. And although there will be strength in some of the nations, there will always be weakness in others. And there will never be a time when the former Roman Empire is established as one nation. Dozens of kings and generals throughout history have tried and failed in their attempts to unite Europe through force or through marriage. But they have all failed. This is not a coincidence. This is God's divine sovereignty at work. In the case of this Bible prophecy, as well as the rest of those in apocalyptic literature, the sovereignty of God always overrules when man tries to alter it. This is why it is so important to study Bible prophecy. Every prophecy is like a road sign showing us where we have come from, where we are at, and where we are going. The apocalyptic prophecies all have a past, present, and future baked into them. And that is why they are all relevant for us today. Each one provides an additional road sign with a little more detail, but they all point us in the same direction. 
And what is that direction? Well, let's keep reading. Daniel continued, And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and the interpretation is sure. Friend, this is what it's all about. Being ready for Jesus and his kingdom that he will set up on the earth forever. This is why we study the Bible. Jesus is coming soon. The prophecy states in the days of these kings, that's our day. Every single aspect of this prophecy has been fulfilled except one. The stone cut out without hands is coming. When he comes, all the kingdoms of the earth will mourn. In describing this same event, Revelation says, Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and every island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For The great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? And why couldn't they stand? Why did the nations mourn? Why were they not full of joy when the rock cut out without hands was coming down to set up his kingdom? Because they had set themselves against him, just as the Jews had done when Jesus came the first time. They would not acknowledge him as king. And so what did Jesus say? And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but whomever it falls, it will ground him into powder. The same truth applies to us today. Why are the people protesting in the streets around the world? Why do the nations rage at one another? Why is there a never-ending stream of sorrow and woe everywhere we look? It is because the world has not become broken in spirit by falling on the rock. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God's hand is outstretched to save us all, but we refuse to reach back. We don't think we need him, and in our pride, we continue our journey down the path of destruction that lies at the end of the road. If you will not fall on Jesus today, one day soon he is going to fall on you. Be ready for Jesus. There is nothing to fear in this world when we realize it's all under the control of his mighty hand. The commentary, Prophets and Kings, page 536, says it this way. The history of nations speaks to us today. To every nation and to every individual, God has assigned a place in his great plan. Today, men and nations are being tested by the plummet, in the hand of him who makes no mistake. 
All are by their own choice deciding their destiny, and God is overruling all for the accomplishment of his purposes. Wow. If God has the history of nations held securely in his hands, don't you think his hands are secure enough to hold you as well? Everything happening around us are signs that Jesus' coming is near nearer than we realize. Won't you commit your life to him so that you no longer have to fear the future? Won't you commit to studying and learning more about what Bible prophecy teaches is going to happen next? Thanks for listening to this episode of Adventology. Our goal in this podcast is for you to be ready for Jesus. And the best way to be ready for Jesus is to spend time getting to know him. Knowing Jesus is everything. That is why we spent the time today studying Daniel chapter 2. But don't just take my word for it. Study it out for yourself. And for a hands-on experience, I encourage you to check out our website, adventology.com, where you can get a transcript of today's episode along with any of the previous episodes we've already published. Also, if you like this episode, share it with a friend. Or better yet, please leave a rating and review from wherever you downloaded this podcast from. All right, well, I enjoyed our time together today, and I look forward to seeing you back here next time on episode 23 when we will interview speaker and director of Voice of Prophecy, Sean Boonstra. Maranatha.